every entrepreneur has a story. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, where each episode, your host, Brian Carney, will share a drink with a successful business owner and have them discuss their unique journey, gaining insight on what it takes to be an entrepreneur and different ways to get there. Brian isn't just a beer nerd. He's also the co-founder of River's Edge Advisors, a financial planning firm headquartered in Delaware, specializing in working with business owners. It's time to pour yourself a drink and enjoy a happy half hour with an entrepreneur. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur. I am your host, Brian Carney. My guest today is Ginger Moxham, the founder of a branding and marketing firm in Naples, Florida called Curated. Ginger, excited to talk to you. Thanks for, for coming on. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I was just saying that I never get to do a podcast, nothing like this on my daily routine. So this is really fun for me. Thank you. I love it. That's great. Well, since we're getting into the happy half hour part of it, I'm going to be drinking a beer by New Belgium called Voodoo Ranger. Now, I have to admit, I'm pretty sure I had this before. Quick side story, which I think I've told before on the podcast. During the pandemic, my family and I moved to Fort Collins, Colorado for a month, which is a great thing to do. And we were literally two blocks from New Belgium's brewery. But uh, I'll give this, it wasn't in the app that I keep track of. So I'll give this a rating at the end. What are you going to be drinking? I will be drinking a glass of dry rosé. So this is actually one of my clients, Hailstone Vineyards. They are based here in Naples, but they actually create all of their wine out in Napa. It's a beautiful label you can see. Um, And we launched this rosé last year. We had a big rosé party. Everyone wore pink. It was a good time. That's great. Um, I will be drinking that and it's a Friday, so we can do that at 2.30 in the afternoon. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers to you. Thank you. (laughs) Well, first things first, tell us a little bit about your company and what you do. Yeah. So we are based here in Naples, Florida. I say we, but I'm kind of a one woman team, Um, but I do everything marketing related. So I always like to say that Curated is the in-house marketing team for small businesses who can't afford an in-house marketing team. Yeah. Um, So that includes everything from day-to-day content creation and page management on social media to print ad placement and print ad design to events to just general digital presence and presence in the community, um, networking, kind of Everything that you can think of under the marketing umbrella, I handle for my clients. That's great. So what's your background? Like, how did you get into this? Uh, my background is kind of all over the place. Um, I did go to school at Southern Methodist University uh, for a business degree. So I got my business degree there great. with a major in marketing and then a double minor in advertising and communication. So I've got the foundation there. But honestly, when I think back to it, I think I've always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Um, it sounds kind of silly and I'm sure my mom loved it. But when I was growing up, like I loved to work. That was like my <laughs> pastime. So yeah, she didn't have to worry about me. Like, you know, I was not the kid that was out running wild. I was the kid at home, like creating a business plan on PowerPoint. And I'm sure she was like, okay, but you know. No That's complaints. amazing. What kind of jobs did you do? So I had my first job in retail here in Naples when I was okay. 15, once I was old enough to work and save up for a car and all that good stuff. So I started in retail when I left for college, continued a little bit in retail. I was a nanny. Um, and then probably my junior year of college, I decided I should probably figure out what I'm actually going to do with my life. Right. So I got an internship at a PR firm in Dallas, kind of fell in love with marketing there. I got to see the events and you know, uh, digital presence side of that business. And then um, I had an internship down here also in marketing and IT at Arthrex, which is a pretty big company here in Naples. That's great. So, 
kind of got my foundation of marketing in that way. Um, but I've I've done every odd job that you can imagine. I've worked <laughs> in a vacation rentals business out in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I've done wow. all sorts of things. So that's a pretty uh, right <laughs> yeah. That's a diverse background. Yeah. You saying you're an entrepreneur from an early start. Uh, one of the things that my kids were always said to me, like, "Hey, I'm bored." So my answer to them now is, "We'll go start a business." So yeah. and uh, you actually did it. So that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think my first business was I made like little hair bows when I was in high school. I worked at a kids boutique. That was my first job, and I sold the hair bows in the store. And then I took it so far as to come home, and I was like, "Mom, I need your sign off on creating an LLC, and I'm going to make a website, and I'm going to go." you know, sell this at a bunch of stores in Naples. And that's like, amazing. Always, I can't ever just like have fun with it. I have to take it to the next level. Yeah, that's so great. <laughs> so what made you kind of decide that, all right, I want to start my own business and this is what I want to focus on. Was there like a singular moment or was it just sort of, how did that come to be? I think there was when I think about it, a singular moment. So, you know, I always had these jobs in marketing or in different industries. And when I graduated college. I knew that I wanted to come back to Naples. I grew up here. I loved the community and I was looking for jobs in marketing because that's what I got my degree in. And there were a lot of fabulous companies here, but none that I really felt were on the cutting edge or had a younger energy to them. So I was sitting in my house one day and it was actually my mom. And she was like, well, why don't you just do it yourself? And I was like, I can't do that. You know, and she kind of gave me that push where yeah. I got in my mind and the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, I think I can do this. So um, from there, it was really just tunnel vision on before I even told a soul that I was going to start my own company. I had a website and filed an LLC and got an accountant and a logo and a business card so that when the floodgates opened and all the doubt came in, I could sit back and just say, I've actually already got a client. So no one's saying anything to me. <laughs> that means you're a real business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, you know, it is interesting because we just talked about this recently with a, a couple of younger uh, entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. One thing I found interesting, so I guess I'm a Gen, I'm Gen X, right? So are you Gen Z or are you a millennial? You know, I think you popped in in your original email to me that I was a Gen Z and I really appreciated that. So I'm going to run with it, but I am considered a millennial. <laughs> okay. You're considered, you're a young millennial then. Let's yeah, go with I'm that. I'm a young millennial though. I'll be, I'll be, you know, lumped in with Gen Z all day. <laughs> I think I'm an old, uh, I think I'm an old Gen X, which means I'm basically a boomer. So when my kids say, okay, boomer, I think they're, they might be accurate. Anyway, with the, the point of one thing I've noticed is that your group is far more likely to be entrepreneurial from a very early start. What's been traditional is you go work for some place for a number of years. There's a book called The E-Myth that we talk about all the time, um, where you go work for a place for a number of years and you go, hey, I think I could do this better than they're doing. And then, then you start a business. But that's really transforming you know, the, the landscape of business so to that younger people are willing to take that leap at an earlier stage. Why do you think that is? I, I honestly really attribute it to growing up we had technology at our fingertips. Yeah. I think we learn a lot in school, whether you've gone to school or you haven't gone to school, whatever education background you've had, you, you definitely learn things there. And I can't sit here and say, I didn't learn anything from my degree. I absolutely did. Yeah. But the majority of what I've taught myself and what I've learned has been through social media, through YouTube, through training apps online. Um, we just have this excess of technology and kind of, society pushing us saying it's okay not to go to college anymore it's okay to go do this it's okay to take a gap year it's okay to go find yourself and come back to it at yeah. a later point in time where i think 
before my generation, at least, it was very go to school, go to school, get a job, maybe branch out and do something on the side, but make sure it's successful for five years before you actually leap into it. Yeah. Um, so I think technology has played a huge part in the confidence that we have to just go learn things and go do things for ourselves. And then I actually think just, you know, people our own age are so encouraging to one another. You know, if I have a friend who says, I don't like my job anymore for X, Y, and Z, I'm the first one to say, just do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's our business. It's not going to be easy, but do it now. Um, so I think those are definitely factors. And then also, you know, at least I can speak for myself. When I started my business, I was 22. Wow. I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have kids. I wasn't married. So I kind of looked at my life and I thought, if not now, then when? It's a really a great point. I find the generation sort of stereotypes, if you will, fascinating to me. And, yeah. you know, I grew up with, with baby boomer bosses and they were, they were always like, Hey, you have to do this because this is the way we've always done it. And you have to quote unquote, pay your dues. That's what we heard all the time. So what ended up happening is people would go work in corporate America and be miserable for years and say like, Oh my God, I can't take this anymore. I have to do something else. So I think the ability to sort of like skip that whole nightmarish process and say like, Hey, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I'm going to go do my own thing is awesome. Yeah. It takes, it takes a lot of confidence. And I think that, I guess that would be my final point is I do find that our generation and the younger generation, certainly like I'm, I consider myself very young and people who I meet who are younger than me. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're so smart and you're so with it and you're doing a million things at the same time. And yeah, so much confidence. And like, I wish I was like that when I was in high school and I see people in high school starting businesses or putting themselves online in a really confident, creative way. And I think it's awesome. Yeah. I agree with you. Totally. Um, tell me a little bit about like who hires you, like what type of companies hire you? I'm really fortunate that I work with clients in a variety of industries. So I don't necessarily specialize in one industry versus another. Um, I work with everyone like my winery to a boutique, to a business that's completely online, to interior designers. Um, so I'm kind of all over the map. I just yeah. did a web project for a company that specializes in consulting airlines just about their engines and the technology that goes into their engines. So I can get as minuscule as that to like yeah. someone who's on the other side of the spectrum and really fun and outgoing. So I've been lucky that I get to work in a lot of different industries and I think it keeps my job really stimulating. I've become a quote unquote expert in a lot of different things. Yeah. So I work with businesses of all sizes, of all types. There really isn't a certain market that I fall into. That's great, you know, to be able to be, there's that book called Range where you know, a lot of times you hear, especially in our, in our world, they hear like, hey, you have to have a niche, you have to have a niche, but it's sort of like being tied down to one industry where a lot there's a lot of crossover between the type of clients that you work with. Just because you have a winery or airplane engine place, the strategy is probably still similar, right? They are. And what it's nice, especially here in Naples, you know, that's the other thing you have to remember is that my business is very local. Okay. So everything more or less I do, I have a few clients who are out of state, but pretty much everyone's here in Naples. So I can have people from all these different industries and bring them together for really collaborative and valuable events. Or when one person needs a contact from another person, I'm the liaison between them. So I yeah. think that definitely helps. I always think it's value to be a person that knows a person to help. You know, and I think that's a hugely valuable aspect of being a business owner. Yeah. And knowing how to leverage it when you need to. Exactly. When you look at all of the things that you offer clients, website or social media or content creation uh, and, and everything like that, 
What do you think is the most underutilized aspect that businesses have that you offer? Meaning like, what are the businesses not doing that they should be? I think consistency. I find that a lot of people want to hire you. The typical client cycle for me is we get introduced, we sit down, we have a conversation. They're coming to me and they're saying, I just want social media. And I'm like, okay, we can make your social media look great. It can look polished. It can look branded. It can be authentic and valuable. But then, you know, your website's like from 2003 (laughs) and they're like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to worry about that. Like, let's just worry about this for right now. So I think consistency, I always tell my clients, even potential clients, I, you know, I say, if you can't do something a hundred percent, just don't do it at all. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to have social media, let's make sure it's the best that it can possibly be, or just don't have it at all. It's okay. If someone looks you up and they, they don't find your Instagram page, it's better than them looking you up and seeing something from 2015. Sure. Yeah. Um, So I think consistency in the sense of if you're going to invest in marketing, if you're going to start on that journey, open your mind and be okay to make some changes. And I know it's hard. I'm working with a lot of small business owners where their businesses are their babies and they're very against making changes or, you know, we've had it that way forever and I don't want to do anything about it. So being able to invest in all different aspects of your marketing, right down to your business cards, need to have the same look and feel that your website has, that your Instagram has, that someone has when they sit down in a meeting and they shake your hand and they think like, oh, it's all clicking. Yeah. A meeting is the same person I've seen online. It's the same person I saw at an event two months ago. They sponsored an event about something that I already know that they're passionate about. Everything across the board has to be the same. That's great. And, and th- you know, that consistency, you do see that a lot, especially one of the things I, I notice a lot about companies doing social media is they either pump out a lot of content in a short period of time and then never do it again. Yeah. Or they just have like these super boring, like automated stale things that they're sending out that it's sort of like someone's checking a box saying, yeah, we posted something today. Right. How are you able to kind of grab the, the business owner and say like, hey, you got to do something a little different, make it a lot better. Right. So, you know, of course it sounds very simple, but we sit down and we really look at who's your audience. So once you recognize your audience is someone who is 60 plus wealthy living in Naples, let's say it's financial management. Yeah. You know, they don't want to see you on your Instagram doing a TikTok dance. (laughs) No one wants to see that. I promise. (laughs) So, you know, once we can kind of take the fear out of their eyes, because they've come into this meeting thinking like, everyone's dancing on Instagram and I have to do it too. And yeah. be able to say, we don't have to do that. Yeah. It's cringe um, city. Yeah. So, you know, really having a strategy and like speaking to your audience and appealing to your audience and then just taking the stress out of it. You know, social media is overwhelming. I know it's so overwhelming for people and I like to come at it like twice a month, three times a month. Let's sit down. Let's have an organized content shoot. Let's get content that's authentic to you, that you feel comfortable doing, that your audience is going to resonate with, and then pick a time that's appropriate. I mean, if you're a restaurant, you should be posting every single day and you mm-hmm. need to just own that and think, okay, I got to put together all my specials at the beginning of the week and block out four hours of my day to get this Crank out. it out. Yeah. Versus, you know, if you are in an industry that maybe your audience isn't so much on social media, you can be posting two to three times a week and batch all your content at one time or hire someone like me who can come in and take the stress out of it and put you on a schedule. Um, so that organization side of it, that's not really the fun side of social media will go a long way in helping you 
not have those relapses of not posting for three months at a time. Yeah. I I think it's a challenge to, and you know, we've we've dealt with this internally with our firm is to find the voice and the brand that you're trying to to portray. And I'll, we always talk a lot about about how branding and marketing are similar, but they're not the same thing, right? Yeah. They might be, let's say, cousins, but they're not, you know, they're not the exact same thing. How do you help a client figure out the difference between what their brand should be and what their marketing should look like? Absolutely. Um, so I always come back to authentic brand voice. I use that a lot on my own website. I use it a lot when I'm introducing my business to clients. But, you know, I have this saying where, let's say your website, I always say you open your website page and it should look like you're opening the front door of your office. Everyone yeah. puts so much time and energy into making their office look beautiful. If they've got fun, creative energy, their office is really cool and, you know, got whiteboards and drawings and a beer <laughs> fridge, whatever, you know, or it's very clean and crisp. Yep. And so I always say, if you're going to open up your website, you want it to be as if you're opening the front doors of your office. If you open your Instagram page, opening the front door of your office, even if you don't have a storefront, I don't have a storefront. Sure. But when someone goes to my website and then they meet me in person, everything is very much aligned. So if it's a individual business owner, I like to say like, let's just get to know you. What are you passionate yeah. about? You know, what do you really enjoy doing? Like, what is your personality? And let's help translate that across all of your mediums. If it's a group, having a group conversation and yeah, having a glass of wine and just everyone sitting around saying, you know, this is kind of important to me. And I don't know if we need to include that in marketing. You absolutely do. If it's important to you, if it's important to your business. That's how you kind of find that brand voice. And then once you have that, it's almost kind of easy because it just naturally flows onto your online presence, your social media, like I said before, even events that you're sponsoring or events that you're putting on. It makes sense. People aren't like, this guy hates dogs. Why is he doing a massive campaign for Humane Society? <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, a little disingenuous there for sure. Right. So yeah. I, I really always come back to that authentic brand voice. And sometimes it takes a neutral third party to help you get there. Yeah, th that is great. Um, when we look at websites, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, that's sort of like opening the front door. What's the most common mistake you see people make? I have, I think I know what you're going to say, but uh, uh, we'll see if I'm right. Okay, I'm curious to hear what you think. I think that the biggest mistake is people think they need to have this complex, coded, crazy website that you open it and things pop up and animate and you can sign up for an email and, you know, I paid 10 plus thousand dollars. So it better be good. And I better be <laughs> ranked number one when someone Googles anything remotely related to my business. Right. Um, I think people bite off a lot more than they can chew when it comes to a website. And in reality, that's something that, again, your authentic brand voice needs to have, then we can make that happen. Yeah. But nine times out of 10, it's just something that's simple. It looks professional. It's clean and it's user-friendly. Yep. I, so simplicity is, is one thing that I think is just so important. And mm -hmm. um, I, so along those lines, what, what I thought you were going to say is like in the, in the vein of keeping things too complex on a website, I hate when I go to a website and all I see is words. Yeah. It's uh, it like cripples me where I go, I can't even <laughs> figure out what's going on. You know, it makes I, you want to just close the tab. Exactly. Exactly. It's like opening up an insane Excel spreadsheet. I'm like, Oh no, I don't want, I, I clicked on the wrong tab here. I want to get out of that. So, yeah. uh, you know, it is good to hear that, um, that, that you think that simplicity is sort of the answer. Simplicity and authenticity, I think is a kind of the key. Yeah. Those are my cornerstones for everything. I love I it. That's super translatable in all aspects of life. I think. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, 
I find SEO very difficult to figure out. And it's okay, good. And it seems to be constantly changing, you know, where Google is using this as their formula when they didn't use that last month. How do you even stay on top of that and help clients figure that aspect out? Yeah, SEO is a beast of its own. And I think I always like people to recognize that, including myself. There is a reason that there are people who make SEO their entire livelihood and their entire businesses for SEO. I think a general understanding, so staying on top of the algorithms of things, understanding why Google wants to see things a certain way and kind of taking the complexity out of that and just understanding here's why it's done that way. And here's how we can organically through our website or through our Instagram, however it may be, because Instagram has its own set of SEO. Right. Um, Understanding that and just staying on top of it. So constantly updating, you know, I say for all my clients, whenever we publish a website, you know, every three to six months, I do a check-in and say, Hey, let's freshen this up. Let's make some changes. Let's revisit our keywords. Let's revisit our sales goals and you know maybe you've had a service that once was really popular and it's not popular anymore let's push your new popular service because all of our seo is relating to the old one yeah Um, i like to do that on a day-to-day basis and then you know i'm very transparent with my clients and i say let's hire someone let's hire someone who is dedicated to your business focused on seo 24 7 keeping in time with all of that because exactly what you said if i had to do it or you had to do it or the business owner had to do it Oh my God, you'd be up to your ears. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And I think recognizing it's a lot and being really smart about where you're allocating your assets to it. Yeah. The best way to tackle it. Well, I think along the SEO lines, analytics probably play a pretty big role in your business mm-hmm. when you're helping a client. How do you use analytics to refine a marketing plan and tr- or try different things? Again, this is the boring side of social media, but I actually find it very interesting. (laughs) Um, So on a weekly basis, I take a look at Instagram and social media in general and your website and your Google Analytics, everything. Um, They provide free insights that you can use every single week that adapt to the content that you put out that week. So it is interesting to see what are people picking up on, you know, just general demographics, you know, what gender is our audience? Where are they located? Um, What is their age range? What times of the day are they most um, engaging with our brand? Using those in addition to paid software, which of course I have for my clients, and that's something that I just invest in as a company so that I can refine that content every single week. So some of my clients, we're putting content out. We're doing a new new content shoot on a weekly basis. We change it weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, but at least two times a month. We're revisiting our analytics and seeing what's performing, what's not performing to make sure that everything that we're putting out is actually being seen. Yeah. Um, and that just ties back to the ever-changing Instagram algorithm that if you post a photo, no one cares. Yep. Um, <laughs> I I think it's it's hugely important because I think it allows you to be able to take more calculated risks with your uh with your marketing meaning, hey, I have no idea if this is going to work. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, but at least you can get a yes or no. If you right. don't have those analytics, you're sort of like shooting a gun in the in the dark and like yeah, well, I, that could have worked. Um, I don't know who saw it or who didn't, but being able to get someone to connect with it, I think is huge. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because I understand why people have such a bias against marketing and putting dollars into marketing, because once upon a time, you'd invest 
thousands of dollars into a print ad or a story right. in a magazine or a newspaper and you have no idea who saw it versus now that's always my favorite thing when I show a client and they post their first reel or their first TikTok and I'm like thousands of people saw this and they're like no way <laughs> and I'm like the world has changed so yeah. let's take advantage of all of the new <laughs> analytics that we have you don't have really... to just send something out in the world and hope it sticks Yep. I can't actually believe I, we still get hit up sometimes for, you know, print ads and, you know, they'll say, like, this is what it costs. And I go, I can't believe it costs that much money. Yeah. And you have no way to met, like to your point, you have no way to measure it. If you could say like it costs $10,000, but we can show you that it's going to be touched by this many people with actual data that may make me think differently of it. But now it's sort of like, yeah, we just, we have this many subscribers. So you should set, you should put a print ad yeah. in there. Hope it works. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Hope that works. Um, content is a challenging thing. How are you helping clients stay on top of interesting content creation? So I like to meet up with my clients. Like it's very, very rare that we shoot content and that's going to be the content we're using for three months. Right. So we're meeting on a weekly, bi-weekly, once a month basis. And I'm obviously keeping an eye on, you know, this is trending or people are finding this interesting or, you know, think about a video that you'd want to watch. So for right. example, for the winery, we're not just pouring wine all day. We're doing, you know, five cheeses that pair really well with this glass of rosé. Yep. And then we'll, put, you know, put together a really cool video and one will be a really crazy expensive brand from some, you know, place in California that they love. And then the other one will be that you can find at your local grocer. Yeah. So really identifying what people are actually going to find interesting and valuable and want to go home and try or go home and do or save and send to their friends and their family. Um, just staying on top of that and then having those consistently scheduled shoots is really, really helpful. And just recognizing that some people don't want to be on camera and that's okay. They don't have to, like I said before, if you don't want to be dancing in your office, you don't have to be. I brought yeah. <laughs> well, it seems like, you know, you, it, just like every other thing in business, the more systematic processes you have in place to create something, the less, the more, the, the easier it becomes because you have a plan that you're actually following. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I find your skill set pretty unique and very interesting. So, like, if I look at your business, I go to your website, I went to your website for a conversation, and, you know, you're do, you've got, an artistic side, you've got a real creative side, you've got a business side, you've, you're strategic, meaning you're trying to you know figure out where the best place to put people. Uh, and, and then you have the analytic side. That's a pretty diverse set of skills rolled up into one person. You know, I say that because I'm literally the least artistic person on the planet. And it's not, it's, it's actually kind of embarrassing, but how do you, how do you manage the part art part science part about your business? I'm a very, I always feel like I'm now saying this for the millionth time, but I'm a very organized person. So I yeah. actually block out time in my week to be creative and oh. time to focus on the administrative side and then time outside of that to focus on my business itself. Yeah. So I have it set up and every week it kind of changes, but at the beginning of the week, I take a look at what I need to get done. And, you know, this week was super creative heavy for me. So I blocked out time where I said, I am waking up that morning. I'm going to go outside for a walk. I'm going to sit down at my desk. I'm going to turn on some cool music. Like I'm going to get in the mindset and then yeah. allow myself to be creative. And then yeah, 3 p.m. comes, shut it off. Okay, it's time to focus on the next thing. So definitely setting aside time for that creative mindset and then setting aside time to focus on the strategic and analytical side 
And then outside of all of that, setting aside time to focus on your own business. Yeah. I find that to be really helpful. It just allows me to have a little bit of a grasp on not getting too overwhelmed about trying to tackle everything at once. Um, And, you know, there's no shame in hiring help and having someone take over something for you when it, when you need it. Yeah. Do you think at some point you bring up hiring help? Do you think at some point you'll have a team of people or do you like being uh, I was listening to an interview with an entrepreneur um, on another podcast, shout out to Marsha O'Connor. And the woman said, I worked, I had employees. And then during the pandemic, we, we, I lost them and I actually prefer working alone. Do you see yourself at some point having a team or do you kind of like the solopreneur trip? I would love to have a team. I have, um, you know, I consider myself kind of a team of one, but I do have uh, another girl who works with me. Yeah. It's really, really nice to have a second opinion and have someone who you trust. I think it's really rare to find someone that you can trust and, and really your clients can trust too, because typically when people hire me, they're hiring me and someone else shows up, they tend to tend to get a little guarded and think, well, you're not, you're not ginger. That's not what I bought. That's everything about my business. Yeah. Yeah, that that does make sense. I going back to the, you know the beginning of your uh, of your story. I love that your mom was the one that pushed you. Yeah, it, it's yeah. funny. We, that theme has come up multiple times on on this uh, podcast. Where talk to a, to someone that started a business and they had someone influential in their life say go and give them the push that they needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was that one. You know, I was the one who said, I don't think I can do it. I don't know if it's a good idea. I should just go get a job somewhere. And she, I mean, that's her personality in general, but she was like, just do it. Just do it. Just <laughs> What's do the worst that could happen? Right. You know, you <laughs> fail and you lose a lot of money. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, but thankfully, I didn't. <laughs> so I want to ask you one more um, one more business related question and then sort of like more of a, a Naples related question. So yeah. what advice would you give to other young female entrepreneurs out there that are considering starting a business? Mm-hmm. I think my best and biggest piece of advice is a lot of people recognize the sacrifices that come with starting a business and owning a business. There's also a misconception that you own your own business. So you're your own boss. You set your own hours you have all this flexibility and, you know, there's a common saying that's I quit my nine to five so I can work 24 seven. Right. <laughs> um, and that is what it is. And I'm very upfront with people. I say, start your own business. You're going to love it. You're going to love the self-fulfillment that you get from it, but be prepared to sacrifice your weekends, your nights, your social life, your mental health, everything. Your sleep. <laughs> For at least a small amount of time. And, yeah. then you'll, and then you'll figure it out and it'll take off. Um, so I always tell people to be prepared for that and be doing something that you love enough and something you're passionate about enough um, that can withstand all of that. And then um, for females specifically, I would just say, don't put yourself in that box. No one else is. No one else is. You're doing it to yourself. So Such a great point. I think that's great advice. I love it. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Naples. Obviously, the hurricane came through a few weeks ago. Yep. How has, you know, how did you guys make out in the hurricane and how has that affected your business? Thank you. I appreciate you asking that. You know, here I was, I was thankfully okay. I was fine. My family was fine. Um, It's been really, really devastating to see so many businesses and so many people lose their homes and their everything. Yeah. Absolutely everything. Um, And that's been challenging to witness, but at the same time, our community really has rallied around one another. That's great. Um, Naples is bouncing back 
unbelievably, we've got businesses reopening left and right. We've got our restaurants reopening. We've got our shopping reopening. We've got hotels reopening. So if you are a tourist and you're listening to this, still come. Oh, that's great. <laughs> still come that's for great. season, please. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just, I'd really like to emphasize that, you know, Naples was not the only place affected. Fort Myers was severely affected. There were a lot of places a little bit north of us that were severely affected. And those people are still living without homes, without their businesses. They're starting from scratch. So if if you know someone in the area who can help you get in touch with someone who can utilize your donations, please do it. Continue keeping up with Naples and Fort Myers businesses and come down if you can support. Um, But that's great. It'll be it'll be a, a challenge to get back to how we were before, but I'm very confident it'll be better than it was. That's that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly enough, Delaware has a giant contingent of snowbirds that go from Delaware to to Naples mm-hmm. all all winter long. So, I'm sure they'll all be down there uh, supporting okay. supporting Naples. Send them our way. <laughs> Will do. Um, well, this is awesome. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much for taking the time. If people want to learn more about you and your business, where do they go? Yeah. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. This was so fun. Like, such a fun way to spend a Friday. Um, if you want to learn more about me, you can go to my website. It's curatedbyginger.com. And on my website, I do have a link to uh, all of the resources and the places to donate, whether it's clothing or monetary donations for the hurricane victims. So go to my website to learn about me, but more importantly, go there for that. Um, and that's kind of the best way to keep up with me. You know, I, uh, I'm a social media guru, but I don't take any time for my own personal. So <laughs> <I'm all there. laughs> well, that's great. Well, thank you so much. So if, um, to learn more about how our firm helps business owners with their financial planning and their business planning, visit riversedgeadvisors.com to hear past episodes of the podcast, go to happy dash half dash hour.com. Moment of truth for Voodoo Ranger. I've definitely had this before, so I cheated on this. Uh, I actually give this a four out of five. Uh, I really, I really like it. I love New Belgium, so it's great. Um, your rose. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Online hailstonevineyards.com. Hailstonevineyards.com. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> You're marketing. That's what you do. <laughs> Always working. <laughs> Ginger, thank you so much, and cheers to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. You too. Thank you for listening to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, sponsored by Rivers Edge Advisors. For more information on how Rivers Edge Advisors can help you, visit their website at riversedgeadvisors.com. If you'd like to connect with Brian Carney for business advice or just to share a beer, follow him on Instagram at riversedgeadvisors underscore LLC. 